Hi, and welcome to episode 176 of No Crying in Baseball, the more twins than you'd expect episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to hear how many twins we're going to be referring to in this episode. Well, we've got an entire team plus two actual babies. Babies. Yeah. Okay. So here's one of those weird coincidences, right? So we're talking about boyfriends today on the twins and Atlanta. And Freddie Freeman, my former Atlanta boyfriend and his wife have twins. New That's twins. That's bizarre. But, oh my God. But they're just e- for us. <laughs> but 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 it's even weirder than you think. This is actually fantastically cool. So Brandon John was born December 30th, and Maximus Turner was born on Valentine's Day. Wait, what? Uh-huh. That's exactly the right. Yeah. So here's the thing. Freddie and his wife really wanted more. You know, they have, they have um, Freddie Jr., I guess. Um, and they wanted more kids and they were having problems conceiving. So they were going through very various fertility treatments and decided they were going to use a surrogate. So they did the preliminary work with, for the surrogate. They did all the, the prep work, shall we say. But then COVID happened, which delayed actually the implanting part of the surrogacy. Hmm. And in the meantime, uh, Mrs. Freeman had a positive pregnancy test. She had a surprise pregnancy after all of this time of not being able to conceive. And they decided to also go ahead with the surrogacy because they had done all the prep work. So simultaneously, she was carrying one baby and the surrogate was carrying the other of their babies. So um, the, the, the two boys were born you know, a little bit apart because they weren't conceived at the same time, but they're, they're calling them twins with a twist. So um, I think that's fantastic and wonderful and very exciting and couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Freddie's the kind of guy who on his um, Twitter bio lists, dad and husband before baseball player, and he is an MVP. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. congratulations to the Freemans and to, to all three of their kids, because wow, that's pretty cool. On today's show, happy spring training day, which also brings us to the return of the grooming segment, this time featuring Francisco Lindor and others. We've got the COVID report featuring Jose Abreu. We have the return of the police blotter featuring Kevin Mather, formerly of the Mariners. We have boyfriends, as we said, with the twins and Atlanta. And as always, we've got international ball. So happy spring. This means it's spring, right? Yes. Well, it's rain instead of snow. That must be the, how we can tell here in, in your nation's capital. It looked pretty nice in Florida from what I could see while watching the game. It did today, rain a so. little during the Nats game, but, you know, for about a hot second. And then it was sunny again. Yeah. And I could see the the clouds coming in at the end, too. It looked like that Florida weather. You never know. But hey, spring training has started. That's exciting. I definitely felt like all giddy. It was like that, you know, Christmas morning. Kind of, it, it says the Jewish co-host <laughs> kind of kind of feeling. <laughs> Not that I've ever had a real Christmas morning feeling, but, you know, I understand the concept. Well, you got it right. I have had many a Christmas morning because I'm older than dirt. And, and, you know, a, a firm believer in, in Christmas as a happy, happy day. So, yeah, that's exactly it. And um, it was it was pretty exciting to see the boys again. I missed my boys. Yeah. Yeah. And to have so much of it going on at the same time was really good, s- sort of. But, you know, fucking MLB.com and their coverage. I was kind of like, oh, I want to watch the Sox game today. I can't watch the Sox game today. That is not an option. But luckily, the Nats were on, and I enjoyed watching the Nats. But it seems sort of like, you know, who knows? I don't understand who gets covered when. Some days, there are like three games covered videos. Some days, there's like 10. 
like, why not today, opening day, give like a shit ton of coverage because we're getting started and, you know, baseball, get people excited about baseball. And we would really it. like the um, the announcers to get their training time in, too, because, you know, they're they're coming off of the offseason as well. Right. And they, they need the practice. They need to kind of like get the patter down, get the research part down. We know how that goes. We don't take time off. And they need to get the fucking pronunciation down too. And I and, and I'm gonna, you know, for me, I know I've done a really shit job with my CPBL pronunciation, and I am promising to try to to try to improve on that. But you know, with all the Hispanic players, they finally have accents on their shirts, so that's a win. That's awesome. Ponle acento. It's it's on there. But the announcers need to know how to use them. Because the dude, and I can slam him because it was a St. Louis, kept saying, um, I can't even do it, Perez. And there's an accent on the first E. When you see the accent, that's where you put the emphasis, Perez. That's what it's there for, Perez. I still can't roll the damn R, but Perez, Perez. Yeah, and just little things like that. I mean, if the accent is there, use it. And it's an announcer. It's your fucking job. You get paid a lot more than I do, so you should be doing your homework and and infield fly girl brought up a really good point that like, what if it's, you know, the mom listening to their baby's debut and the name is like pronounced wrong. That's kind of shitty. Yeah. You know, if it were me as, as a mom, I would lean back and cross my arms and say, just you wait. Everyone's going to know how to say my kid's name right pretty soon. That's right. People have got Tatis down pretty well. Right. I think. <laughs> they, they can read that accent. I was excited. And, you know, the Orioles have not been my favorite team uh, and I'm not going to kick them when they're down, that's for sure. But um, but to see Train Mancini come back and hit in his first at-bat after being out with colon cancer. And get a standing ovation to welcome him to the plate, uh, right? Such a good thing. You know, the Orioles have already won, is what I feel like. You know, everybody's been sort of, oh, 0% chance of this season. But that is a winning moment. And that kind of energy, I don't know, that's what it's all about. That was so sweet. That's the kind of stuff that makes you think there is crying in baseball, but hopefully just the good kind. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain the spring training rules to me, though? So I don't no. get this. Like, some games have seven innings. So of the games that had been finished before recording, I think there were five that went seven innings, one that went eight, and one that went nine. And then I hear there's a five-inning option. Like, what? I don't – how long is a baseball game? As long as the managers want, the managers actually talk to each other ahead of time. Um, actually, for this for this particular game that, that we both ended up watching, the the Cards okay. versus the Nats, the Cards manager said that Davey called in like two days ago, and they talked it through and said, "Let's go ahead and go nine because I want to do this, this, this." Because the managers have goals for who they want to give some time to, what they're looking for. So they might say, you know what, I only want to go five today. Maybe like the weather's weird or maybe um, you need to rest up a pitcher and you want to just try something else out. Or, you know what, today would be a great day to go long. Let's go. So they can pick between the teams. They decide how long they're going to go. They also can decide to stop an inning. And it's that's really based on the pitcher. If the pitcher is getting close to the limit they have and it would be weird to go like one more batter and then would they have to start? You know. So it's. It's all about, you know, getting the guys back in shape. It's not about winning, <laughs> even though I was, you know, it's, it's kind of about winning for the fans, but that's not what these early games are for. So they want to, and also last year was so weird that there's a lot of talk right now about taking care of pitchers coming off of that short, weird season. So I think they're being extra careful about how pitchers are used going into this ideally full length season. 
I, I totally get that. But at the same time, you know, thinking of the fan interest, it's one thing being in a fan at home and being like, ah, oh, shit, I wish I could see more baseball. But what if you had planned that trip, you know, and you're social distancing and you got those coveted tickets and then you find out that the game you're going to is only going to be five innings instead of nine. I'd be pretty pissed off. I would be pissed off too. It's true. But yeah. And, and there were, there were indeed fans in the stands. And I think most spring training now has fans in the stands. It sounds like that the spring training teams are kind of potting a little bit, like they're limiting who they're going to be playing against to reduce travel and reduce exposure Mm -hmm. a little bit, which is pretty cool. But they seem to have, you know, up to about 25% capacity of fans in the stands. And when I first noticed, when I was first looking at the fans, I was like, oh, this is great. Everyone's wearing a mask. Oh, except that guy. And that guy and those people. So if you're sitting with the people that you live with and you're, you know, 10 feet away from other people and you're outside, maybe it's okay. I don't know, but it still made me itchy. Yeah. They, in the, in the outfield or not the outfield, the place where the people actually sit like beyond the outfield, Mm -hmm. they had like these squares painted because usually that's like free for all territory, right. In a lot of stadiums for spring training. So they had the squares painted. So ideally, you know, each pod should be in their square, But then I looked at the picture and there were like legs hanging out from the squares and somebody standing next to the square. And I was like, wait, that's not what's supposed to happen. People, they're trying. I don't know. It's the first day. It's the first day. I think they will see where the problems were and figure out how to tune them up for fan management as well as the players. I think everybody's been going through training right now. One thing I love about spring training is seeing everybody's uh, grooming situations because (laughs) usually in spring training, people come in with how they've been looking over the off season. And then, you know, they gussy up for the the regular season and combined the off season with the pandemic and people not going out and getting say haircuts and all of that, you get some good looks. And I will say um, St. Louis pitcher, John Gant was full of flow, not only with his head of hair, but also his beard. He is a tall, lanky man to begin with. And then he had this, he had a full Jesus going on. He had a full Jesus going on and he pitched two pretty good innings. So he had a little something extra happening there too. My other favorite uh, spring training look is Francisco Lindor, former boyfriend of mine who now has Mets blue hair and came into spring training wearing the <laughs> the jacket that Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy wears in Coming to America, his Mets, his Mets like, you know, sort of varsity jacket looking thing. So he is leaning in all the way and I just love it. Thank you, Francisco Lindor for that. He looks amazing. And that whole thing about being able to check out guys is good too, especially for some of the um, prospects that we've picked for Baseball Boyfriends. I was super happy to see Jeter Downs because I'd been second guessing my Red Sox pick, but no no longer because he had a home run today. Oh, nice. And he went, yeah. And I think, shit, I didn't write it down. I think he went two for two. His average is a thousand. He's, yeah, so, so far doing well. Very nice. And I, and I was very happy because I got to see both my um, both, both my St. Louis boyfriend, um, Tommy Edmund, hit and also my mm-hmm. my dad's boyfriend, the CW, as we call him, Andrew Stevenson, play a fantastic outfield and get on base. So that was pretty, pretty fun. Hey, so the COVID report, because this ties into to spring training, absolutely. They're finishing up the intake testing. Remember, this is the what this is the testing you have in order to join spring training. So there were only 900 of those this week. And only and three of them were positive, but they were all players. There were more than 13,000 monitoring tests taken. That those are the ones that that kick in every other day once you are in spring training and 
for the rest of the season. There were five positive out of over 13,000. Three of them were players. Up to date so far, they've had more than 20,000 tests. There have been 20 positives, 14 are players, and um, they represent 14 different ball clubs. A fun fact is some of these spring training sites are also COVID testing sites for the communities where they are. So there was this really interesting story about, uh, you know, so that the Nats and the Astros share a facility in Florida and the giant parking lot that was fan parking is, has been used for testing for months and months. And so there are stories of these guys like working out in the outfield kind of saying, so how's the line today? You know, looking out over the, and and watching these cars come in and, and like all of a sudden they're, (laughs) There are signs that direct you know, when you're driving in. Are you here for a COVID test? Go that way. Are you here for the game? Go that way. That's hysterical. <laughs> so you know, they got this. They have this reminder that's sort of looming over them. Yeah, hey. it would be kind of nice to see the players like in line with everybody else for the COVID test. That would be sort of like a fan. You know, I don't know, fan yeah. interaction, not interaction, fan at a distance. Yeah, let's not interact, please. Line. Right. <laughs> Now, let's not mix up the players in there because that'll make those lines even longer because they have to get their, that, test, their tests so often. Good point. Totally good point. Yeah. And you can't get an autograph anyway. So whatever. You know, I know of one of those positives. I was just thinking, huh, 14 players. I wonder who they were. Well, one of them was my boyfriend that I had picked for the White Sox, which is Jose Abreu. And so he had to spend eight days in a hotel room. To, because he was found and quarantined. And the good news is that his symptoms were very light and that he didn't pass it along to anybody in his family. So that's good. The bad news is he was in, he missed, you know, the beginning of training. He just showed up yesterday um, and had to be in a hotel room, which isn't great for keeping your conditioning in. And that's, I think, got to him. But you know, being the clever guy that he is, he checked out YouTube and found a trainer on YouTube and so did his little YouTube exercises. I should have told him, I, I should have told him, like, I have a hotline to a brave. I should have given him that suggestion. <laughs> hey, to, Jose, to you're out. my boyfriend. It's potty mouth right? here. I, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I was thinking of Tim Melville when he he went to um, Taiwan last year and was quarantined. He had some really good dancing videos in the room. I was like, that could, you know, get some blood moving, get you training a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. But in in sort of like the um the subplot of that, as he was bummed out in his hotel room, he called Albert Pujols, I guess, you know, buddies somehow. And Pujols had worked under Tony Larusa for 11 years with the Cardinals. So it's sort of like, what's it like working for this guy? And the article I saw was just positive spin, which, I mean, what are you going to say? It's spring training. You're going into the season. He's your manager. You got to feel good about it. So he said that Pujols told him he really cares. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. We're glad that we can take advantage of his knowledge. He has been trained well. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, power to them. I think it's totally shitty that they're stuck with him as a manager. And, you know, it's such a hot team, the White Sox, but I don't know. We'll hey, see how they deal. That's a great lead into the police blotter. <laughs> you almost made me spit out my beer with that. That would have oh been a very God. sad waste of beer. I'm very sorry about that. Oh my gosh. But actually, perfect segue. This week's police blotter is um focused on only one man. That is Kevin Mather, the um very recent, but no longer president of the Seattle Mariners. He gave a speech to the Rotary Club, which should be 
you know, happy, fluffy stuff. And boy, did he go badly with it. He said a lot of things. And if you watch The Simpsons, there's that whole thing like, you know, what you say in your brain and what you say out loud. And mm -hmm. like a good visual of that. And he used his yeah. outside voice with things that he really should have kept in his brain. And he's in big trouble. And this may shake up the league a little bit. Because some of the things that he said in his outside voice was citing players that he feels are overpaid. As Potty Mouth mentioned last week, this was the guy who talked about he was tired of paying interpreters. He talked about one of his players was, you know, awfully loud and he still can't speak English. Right. And, and so there's a lot of like really unpleasant hot takes on that whole thing. He referred – okay, this is one that actually is going to um, spin for longer. My new Mariner's boyfriend, um, Jared uh, Kalanick, Kalanick? I still can't pronounce his name. I should know his name better if he's going to be my boyfriend. But anyway, yeah. he was cited by name. He was name-checked in this rant where he said, we control his major league career for six years, and after six years he'll be a free agent, so probably AAA Tacoma for a month. Which means he is saying out loud that thing that we all complain about, which is service time manipulation. He is admitting it. Uh, Jared then said, you know, he that he feels like he's being punished. They had offered him a very owner-friendly extension a little over a year ago, which he turned down. And he believes that he's being punished for that because had he signed that, he believes he would have been starting for sure. And now they're screwing with his service time. But That's so gross. because that was said out loud, now there is there is a suspicion that this is going to be a larger part of the union negotiations of the collective bargaining agreement talks. And it's like, OK, we got we have to stop screwing with this. We've been tiptoeing around it. But, you know, it's been said out loud. It's now officially in the public eye. It's not just people on the outside saying, huh, that looks like service manipulation to me. So. John Stanton, who was the chairman of the Mariners, has stepped in as the interim president once Kevin Mather resigned this past Monday and issued a, a good statement if it's backed up for sure, because he apologized. He said, this is, you know, this is unacceptable. There are no excuses. We have no excuses. We need to make this right. So he is, you know, at, he's doing all the things that he's supposed to do. As the chairman of the team, and we can only hope that it does get backed up with actions because a lot of people are, need apologies if they haven't gotten them yet. Bad form, bad choices. So many levels of bad. But you know what? Sometimes it's good when people say these things out loud so you know that that right. person needs to go. If he had kept yeah. it in his brain and not said it out loud and just done the rotary talk that he could probably do in his sleep, we never would have known and there wouldn't have been this sort of spinning out into maybe bigger issues. Right. Yeah. Bringing it out there. And, and at least it can be dealt with at this point. That's right. And yeah. Well, we'll talk more about players at this point because it is the baseball boyfriend time. We only have a few more weeks of this. What we've been doing all this offseason to keep us busy in the cold is picking guys from every team. So go back to past episodes and find out who we picked. We have been picking each one guy per team because there is something cool about them beyond the field. And this week, we're looking at the Twins in the American League and Atlanta in the National League. And my theme for this week is these are my gut picks. These are the picks that I'm doing by my heart because there was like 
some compelling reason, not necessarily because of the field, but I am going to remain the eternal optimist. And I think for both of these players, it's going to be a breakout year. Mark my words. Otherwise, I'll, I don't know, just go under the table. So for the twins, I am tipping my hat to our German friends, because as we all know, we, at one point anyway, were the number one baseball podcast in Germany. I don't know if that still um, holds true, but hi, everybody in Germany, if you're still listening. And I'm doing this for you, even though I can't pronounce the name and it's not even a German issue. Maybe you can help me. It's a Polish issue. It's Maximilian Kepler Rosicki. Can you can you see that name that I have in the notes? I can say that name. Um, okay, I, it's I, 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 Yeah, I believe it's probably like a a chi at the end, like Rachki or something. Oh, I don't know that because I haven't looked it up and I haven't checked. But if 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 pressed to the wall, I would try Rachki. Okay, here once again, I am not paid as an announcer, so therefore I did not quite do my level of homework. But I think Rachki sounds good. Anyway, we know him as Max Kepler. He's 28 years old and he plays right field for the Twins. So we owe this to our German fans. He was born in Berlin and is actually only the second German-raised MLB player. And so I believe that he's the first German-born MLB player because the only other one, Donald Lutz, was born in New York City and then moved to Germany at age one. So he was, you know, effectively raised German. But I think that's it. So, hey, Max, that's good news. His parents, um, however, neither one was born in Germany. His dad, Marek Rosetschke, something like that, was born in Poland. And his mom, okay, his mom, Kathleen Kepler, born in the U.S., So she was from Texas. His dad defected and they met in Berlin as dancers. They're both professional ballet dancers. I love that with all of my heart. (laughs) So fascinating. His mom actually moved to Berlin to audition for Swan Lake. And apparently she got the deal. The dad defected from Poland, but he was a dancer and he de- he defected while he was actually on tour as a dancer, and he joined the Berlin company. And here's a little bit of foreshadowing. He actually got in because another dancer was injured, broke his foot, which flash forward many years later, son Max gets his break because another player was injured. And that's when he got called. Well, it was not when he called called up, but it was his first you know moment of MLB. As a kid, Max did sports, did all the sports, did baseball, soccer, which was much bigger than baseball, swimming, skiing, tennis. And he was actually so good at tennis that he got a scholarship sponsored by Steffi Graf to go to a tennis school in Germany. Yeah. So he actually speaks all three languages fluently. He speaks English, mom, Polish, dad, and German growing up. That's perfect for you. Look at that, 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 the multilingual... There you go. There's some sort of connection, even though I don't speak two of those languages, but that's pretty cool. So he uh, went to one of those uh, like American German schools, hence because of the parents, and there was baseball there. And he just did really well, like above and beyond. And so he was sent to a baseball academy and actually played in the Bundesliga, which is the um, the German baseball league, which I need to learn more about. I'm so sorry, German fans. I'm still working on that homework. But did that before going to MLB. And he was signed 
at MLB at age 16, which we've talked about with our Latino players. But this is the the first one that we've talked about from Europe signing at age 16 and 09 for $775,000, which at the time was the most for a European player. At that point, his mom moved to Fort Fort Myers with him so that he could do some of the minor league stuff. And he was playing in the Gulf Coast League, finished two years of high school in one year in order to get through that. Yep. And was playing at 17 years old. So he's a give back kind of guy. And like, like we like with our baseball boyfriends, And baseball in Germany apparently is not quite as popular as in many other places, hence us being the number one baseball podcast, maybe. But he's trying to get it pushed up. He's been holding uh, indoor baseball clinics in the offseason and hoping for an MLB game there someday, you know, like we've seen in the DR and and, uh, Puerto Rico, that other foreign country. Um, And so he debuted in 2015. Again, that was on an injury, only a few games up. And in 2016 was when he had more games up. I don't think he made opening day that that year, but he did hit a walk-off home run against Matt Barnes of the Boston Red Sox. So there's another just sweet connection there for me in the 10th inning. And the the fun stats that he has for 2016 actually is against Cleveland because he was in, you know, when there are so few people born in Europe in the MLB, you get to do a lot of these first kind of stat things. He was the first European born player with a three home run game. And then his second, and that was against Cleveland. And then he had another three home run, home run game against Cleveland in 2019, so three years later, and that was against Trevor Bauer. Three home runs against huh. Trevor Bauer. A week later, he faced Bauer again and had two home runs against him. Damn. So it was the first time in MLB that was he had five consecutive at-bats against Trevor Bauer. All of them were home runs. So, you that's know, it's freaking amazing. It, <laughs> that's wild. Totally bizarre. So despite his sort of, you know, you look at his overall lifetime stuff and it's kind of mediocre, you know, low, well, 228, I think is his lifetime average somewhere around there. 19 was by far his best year. But so 19 being your best year and then 20, you know, 2020 was just fucked up. So I am hopeful that 2021 is going to be Max Kepler's year. I actually looked in today. The Twins played the Red Sox today. The Twins won. Kepler got a hit. So I think I think he was like one for three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. So, you know, his dad has to kind of explain to people in Germany, like, what does your son do? He plays baseball. What's that? Oh, it's like chess for sports <laughs> like chess. is what he says. And he said... He said, Max, you know, when he's when he's cornered on it, he's like, well, he plays sports. And then if he's pressed a little further, he says, it's an abstract sport that would take a long time to explain. So I don't know how many folks out there have seen the Flula Borg little video of, you know, how to explain baseball. The one with the pillows, like the guy steps, you got to see it. We've got to sort of find it and retweet it or something. But that sort of seems like how the Max Kepler family deals with explaining what, what his kid does. Yeah. So that's Max. 
I love it. I have to say, when I saw the name you typed out, I thought, who is that? Oh, Max Kepler. <laughs> I had to stare at this whole Maximilian Kepler Rotschke. I'm going with Rotschke. I have no idea. Like, oh, yeah, Max that Kepler, of course. All right. So I needed a backup catcher, and apparently so did the twins. So <laughs> we've come together on Ryan Jeffers, 23-year-old catcher. And if you remember, um, I am I'm reg- I regularly choose catchers for the twins because uh, La Tortuga has been my boyfriend for the twins. So Ryan Jeffers uh, grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he was a walk-on to the UNC Wilmington baseball team. UNC Wilmington is where my brother is a professor. So if you want to find those little connections, I've got that one. He has absolutely nothing to do with our baseball team. Not one thing. (laughs) All right. Unless the baseball team and marine biology had anything in common, but I don't believe that they actually do. So yeah, so he wasn't, drafted he wasn't even scouted in high school he walked on as a freshman did never started as a freshman so two things i like about this guy are he is the underdog and he leans into his role as underdog and he's also a brainy a brainy kind of guy because at uncw he was majoring in physics said that if he if it wasn't for baseball he'd probably look at aerospace but he really hopes baseball works out because he's kind of afraid of <laughs> going back to study more physics at this point. He was drafted in the second round in 2018, which surprised everybody. It was way higher than he expected to go if he was going to be drafted at all. Even the announcers on MLB Network were not prepared for him to be drafted in the second round. They only do prep work on their top 200 prospects. He was almost 300 on their wow. list. So when they called his name, they really had to scramble. And he didn't have one of those watch parties that you always see like video of, like watching with the family and the girlfriend and the, you know, all this stuff. And I, he just like came back from, you know, playing a, a college game and he was unpacking in his apartment and his phone rang. Wow. <laughs> so that's, that's what so cool. happened there. But he, he likes to prove people wrong. And he says, you know what? I've always earned my spot. Like nothing's ever been handed to me. I had to fight for it. And so, you know, I work hard and I do appreciate that for sure. So his mom is an engineer, although he says that's not where he gets it, which I I, I don't know why. I think it's because she's, you know, she has leaned into being an engineer and he's like, well, if, if, if it wasn't for baseball, I would do it. But he did say he always liked numbers over words. And so he's one of those analytical brainy guys, which is great for a catcher. Because, you know, the the strategy of the game is your job. And he says he just loves the game of outthinking the hitters. Like, what is the hitter going to be looking for? What do we do now? He just loves that stuff. Interestingly, he never had a catching instructor until the Twins drafted him. So he's, he's been a catcher since he was 14. He said he learned everything by watching other people. I mean, like he was taught how to catch the way a high school coach teaches anybody how to play their position but he never had anybody like work with him on his form and all of stuff until he was with the twins already so that's a lot of self-taught brilliance right there i love that he picks buster posey as his role model (laughs) because you know near and dear to my heart for sure and he says it's because buster posey is just that good but also humble he's not one of those hey everybody look at me guys although he does have i think three world series rings so that's also a good thing to look up to at the same time but i I appreciate that whole thing about them Um, his debut was just this past august he went two for three versus the brewers he's much more known for his bat than he is for his glove but he is working on the defense 
very much so. The things that make him special, he he does some work with the New Balance Foundation, which works for like healthy communities. I couldn't find specifics about the, his actual role there, but he is is somehow part of working with the New Balance Foundation. But my favorite two things about him are his agent officiated his wedding, which <laughs> I thought was a little hilarious, but his agent is actually also a deacon in a church. So it, oh it isn't like, you know, wow. what I did, like have like one of my best friends officiate for me. Although apparently he and his agent are very close, which has to be true if you have that person officiate your wedding and his labradoodle is named yogi after yogi Berra. that's awesome yeah that's super cute so i'm watching my backup catcher hoping for good things for ryan that that sounds like a very like respectable agent if you have an agent who's also a deacon like they've got to be pretty on the up and up not trying to put that's you know trustworthy gotta trust your agent um, before you go on, can you ask Mr. Potty Mouth to refill my beer? Oh, <laughs> shoot, we're not in the same house. God dang it. Yeah, damn it. You know, soon, soon, there's hope on the horizon ish. This yeah. time next year, at least. Oh, at God. Least. <laughs> I know. Before then, before then, hopefully, before then, we will both be <sighs> drinking out of the kegerator. We're going to move on to Atlanta anyway, while we can. And this is totally like just the gut pick. Johan Valentin Comargo Ramos, otherwise known as Johan Camargo. Camargo. God, how many, how much beer have I had? Yeah. Johan Camargo, third base, 27 years old. I do not need a third base person. So, you know, as what we do with our baseball boyfriends at the end is we create a fantasy team and, the idea is to have a good, solid team. And once you have a lot at one position, you try to, like, in these final weeks, get guys at other positions. And I've got, a, like, several really good third base people. But Yoan Camargo, oh, my God. He's just so cool. And actually, he's it turns out, it, this might work in my favor, he's more of a utility guy, it turns out, this year. He is not in the starting lineup. He's going to be a utility role. He can do the outfield. So that might help me, actually, with the draft. The big reason why I'm picking him is because I've been watching him a lot lately because he played winter ball in the Dominican Republic. He's been playing with the Aguilas Sibenas for several years. And this year they went to the Serie del Caribe. And I last talked about him with the semifinals against Panama where his run crossing the plate was the walk-off score. And he was excited. He was the walk-off score crossing the plate, but he's also from Panama. So the Panamanians kind of got on him like for over-celebrating. And if you look at the the tape, I, the tape, I'm totally, I always date myself, whatever, that video stuff that folks <laughs> use nowadays, it, it's not over the top, He's, but he apologized. So he's got a lot of, you know, dedication to his home country and doesn't want to upset anybody. And he apologized like in the Tatis kind of way that you really didn't have to apologize, but you're trying to make everybody happy. So, the, you know, points there for him. And then in the finals against Puerto Rico, he was a key player in that win. He had a key home run and he made this barehanded catch. Like the ball was going at his face. He caught it with his bare hand, nailed it to first and got the out. So he has some really sexy defense, some good offense. You know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this 
continues into the uh, season because as I'll probably get to in a moment, he hasn't had stellar MLB stats lately anyway. Also, I feel I feel like I'm continuing this Panama theme because last week I talked about Miguel Amaya with the Cubs. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, damn it, I blew it for not doing like a Panama theme this year. Like I did a Curacao theme, I think it was last year. Uh, with I uh, could have done Jonathan Arauz, who's with the Red Sox, who did, you know, hit well today. But then, you know, Jeter Downs's performance today made me think, all right, may- maybe I'm, I'm OK for not having done this too hard. But Panama, I mean, Panama is strong in baseball, but football, again, football being soccer to the to the United States, I've football to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. It's you play it with your feet. Football makes sense to me. American football, as co- it doesn't make sense, but that's another day. So he wanted to play football, actually, as a kid. He wanted to play soccer, but his dad knew that he was really good at baseball. So they made a deal that on the weekdays, he could play football, and on the weekends, he played baseball. So he played both really seriously growing up, and he says now that that experience with football has sort of helped him to be fast on his feet because he knows how to use his feet. So he signed in 2010 for $40,000, which is not a huge signing. And he has a really positive attitude about it. He said that he was signed sort of as the player to fill the team, you know, no guarantees, but that money doesn't make the player. He debuted in 2017, played 82 games, and played around the field, third, second, shortstop, did really well fielding, though, 980 fielding percentage. And then 18 was really his boom year. He ended up being sort of the everyday third baseman. His average went up to 72. He was actually second in the National League for OPS with runners in scoring position. Crazy, 1023 with Joey Votto, my very first Reds boyfriend, being the first place. And he hit 19 home runs, which was most by an Atlanta third baseman since your favorite guy, Chipper Jones. Um, but then I hear the sarcasm in, in your voice. <laughs> yeah. Then in 19, Atlanta decided to sign Josh Donaldson for a year, who I actually had picked as a boyfriend from Toronto. But I think that kind of put Camargo in a little bit of a spin because all of a sudden, all right, you're not that guy and you're a utility guy. And he was used all over the fucking place. He was first, second, third, short, left field, right field. And his average took a big hit. He went down to 233. But I think it's really interesting to sort of break down his performance because he did really well as a pinch hitter. So 30 points higher, 263 when pinch hitting, put runners on base, and he's up to 309 with runners in scoring position. So I feel like that's you know, it it shows that when the pressure's on, he can make things happen. And that's got to be transferable. Unfortunately, he lost a lot of time at the end of that year because he fractured his shin. He fouled a ball off his shin and fractured it. That just, ooh, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies just to ima- imagine. And then 2020, 2020, like, I, I feel like we can't infer much from what happened last year. He had a really crap year last year, only played 35 games, also injury issues, and only got to 200. So I'm happy that Atlanta signed him on again. He's got a one-year deal. It was you know, relatively low ball. It was under what he could have, should have gotten 1.3 million. Still sounds like a bunch of money. 
And so he's slated for the bench. I don't quite get why. The guy who's on third base is a, a newbie, Austin Riley, whose numbers are not quite there. But I was talking to our friend Marla at uh, Mans Lane Baseball Elsewhere. Thanks so much, Marla, who, I, you know, what I had, I had figured was that yo, Camargo is so utility that it makes sense to keep him available for that while Riley is a third base guy. And who knows? And we'll see. You know, it's spring training. It just started. We'll see what happens. So Camargo's there. I love his attitude. I love how he, you know, is just persevering. The One article mentioned that he's like the synonym of patience. And he talks about how, well, there's always tomorrow. You have a shit game today. Just forget about it. You work on it tomorrow. And his message to kids was study and learn English because in hindsight, Ah. I think he didn't do that. Hmm. And so now, you know, advising others to do so. Um, His Instagram is fire. You've got, I mean, the only hesitance I have about this baseball boyfriend thing is that, you know, it's supposed to be the guy that you're going to hang out and have a beer with. And I would be horribly underdressed because Camargo is sharp. I mean, not just in like the baseball athletic gear, but he's got lots of photos with the ties suited up. And there was this one like um, get to know Johan Camargo in 10 questions article from one of the, I think it was one of the Panamanian papers. And one of the questions they asked him was, do you sleep with pajamas on or nothing? And he answered, I sleep comfortably. So. <laughs> Appreciation to Johan Camargo. Someone else who has been well-trained to deal with the media. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So I actually do need more third – I need backup third base. I mean, I'm really happy with, with – like Alec Bohm is going to be – you know, from the he's going to be my, my third baseman for sure, but I don't have any backups really. And so I was looking at um, Trevor Darno um, at, the, at the Atlanta team – And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, you know, we always check social media for, you know, Uh for scariness. And the giant uh, cover picture on his page on on Twitter was him holding a giant foam tomahawk. I was like, bye. You're out, buddy. But that's okay because I'm back to um, Christian Pache, who is somebody I've had my eye on for a while because he's one of these up-and-comers. This may be one year too soon. It may not be to pick him. But we're going to find out. Okay. So, so Christian is um, center fielder. He's 22. He's one of those Dominican kids that you alluded to who signs at 16 years old as an international free agent for $1.4 million. So he is the middle of three kids. His dad's a factory worker. He moved away from all of them to go to Santo Domingo, the capital, to go to a baseball academy to get noticed. Because where he was, he was never going to get noticed. And it worked. It worked. He got scouted and, you know, had this good signing and was signed by Atlanta. He's also got amazing mentors. One of them is Potty Mouth's former Atlanta boyfriend, um, Ender Enciarte, who is the current center fielder. So basically, he's mentoring um, Pache to replace him. Right. And so um, Enciarte has two golden gloves. And um, Pache is known for his defense. In fact, his defense is so good that they're referring to him already as Atlanta's best defensive outfielder. Whoa. And they've got a heck of an outfield right now, right? And he's still technically 
uh, prospect, although one article I read about him um, referred to him as probable um, rookie of the year material for this coming year. So I like stacking that deck a little bit. But the other person that Atlanta fans are comparing him to is Andrew Jones. And Andrew Jones is sexy defense like crazy. And he also he works for the Atlanta baseball team as an assistant. And so he actually has been helping to mentor Christian and working been working with him. So Christian said about him, I feel extremely grateful to be compared to him. In my eyes, he's a legend. Anytime that I get compared to him, I feel really grateful for that, which is the right answer. It's like, yep, yes, absolutely. Thank you. This is what I strive to be. This is what I'm trying very hard to be. He had a very brief cup of coffee this past August with the Atlanta team. He went one for four against the Phillies and got sent right back down to the alternate site. But the Atlanta team put him on the roster for the playoffs. And when Adam Duvall got injured in game one of the NLCS, Christian Pache came in to to take over for him and ended up starting six games. In the NLCS. And in fact, his very first wow. career home run was a second deck homer versus the Dodgers in game three of that series. And That's only awesome. six other players have had their first home run happen during the postseason. So that's pretty cool. He also was only 21 when it happened. So he so he was only older only than Andrew Jones, Ronald Acuna Jr., Bryce Harper, and Mickey Mantle among people who have homered in the postseason. Right? How nice, about nice that? I guess, um, yeah, I guess Juan Soto was just a little older than that. <laughs> when That's that what happened. I was just thinking, when, when did Soto? Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So it's all about the number of months. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, because of the defense, he's also pretty famous for in Atlanta world during that series for an over-the-wall catch he made to rob Max Muncy of a home run in that, in that playoff series. My former Dodgers boyfriend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He does say that when he goes, when he went back home to the DR this past winter, he was recognized a lot more than he <laughs> ever had been before because wow. of that playoff time. And that playoff time hopefully will work in his favor because he's fighting hard to be the starting center fielder. So, you know, it's always like your most recent experience is what people are going to judge you on, especially the ones who are just looking at you quickly. And if he's judged on his postseason play, that's going to look very good for him. It's going to bode well. He will start in center field. It's a matter of will he be the starting center fielder at the beginning of the season or will it happen later? It's going to happen. It's going to depend a lot on Enciarte, who's been fantastic in the past, had a bad last season, as so many people did, as you've been mentioning. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is that is he on that trend now or was that an anomaly? And that will that will have a lot of influence on whether Christian Pache is is starting much at all this year. So like I said, it might be it might be too soon, might not be. He has a lot of tattoos, including one he got right after the postseason, which is an Andrew Jones tattoo. has got his number and his signature on it. So he's really leaning in there. And the thing he misses most about home is his mom's chicken and rice. Oh. Yeah. Mentioning mom is always a good thing. Yeah, we get points for that for sure. Hey, next week we're talking about the A's and the Padres. And I'm not going to get a third Ooh. baseman from either of those teams because I've already had the third baseman from the A's and I'm not picking Manny Machado. So, oh. <laughs> so thank you. So I'm hoping Alec Bohm stays really super healthy because he may not get, get any backup from me. Wow. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to go across the borders now to our international section. And, and a really quick note to Canada. I haven't talked about the country to the north of us, College Ball in Canada. Vancouver Island University recently signed a right-handed pitcher, Allie Schroeder, who is a woman Woo! to play baseball. Woo! First woman to play baseball for the Canadian College Baseball Conference. So woohoo to Allie. She has played for the national team, did some World's, World Cup qualifiers, and um, and actually took a year off after high school because COVID, like a lot of kids are like, you know, why go to college in this circumstance? So she's going now. She's playing baseball. Women play baseball, folks. So it's get used to it. Going to happen more and more. Yay to Allie. Uh, heading back south, Liga Mexicana de Baseball. I'm excited to see Jumbo Diaz from the Dominican Republic playing in Mexico with the Diablos Rojos. And happy birthday, by the way, to Jumbo, who turned 37 yesterday. So Jumbo was one of my favorite players from the Leones del Escogido in Lidom. And then he, you know, through that draft thing, ended up being able to play with the Aguilas for the championship, won the Serie del Caribe, and now he's going to Mexico. And I think he's he's working to end that nickname because he is working out and he's not going to be so jumbo looking in the near future. Uh, there's stuff happening in Mexico. The head of LMB, which is like the Rob Manford for them, is under an investigation for fraud connected partially to this team that Jumbo is going to be uh, working for. Apparently, there have been a lot of contract kickbacks and him pocketing a lot of money without work being done. One example is the stadium for the Diablos Rojos got a bunch of money from the league. They're supposed to be paying the league, but they're not. Yeah, apparently it's because they kind of... um lobbied for this guy to get the position as the head of the league. So they're getting some sort of deal back from him. This looks to me like we may need to have a police blot, our international edition. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> I think we just Here did. We go. <laughs> so we, we will see what happens to Horacio de la Vega Flores, the head of LMB, but he is under investigation for a lot of stuff. Um, in much cleaner baseball, our friends in Taiwan, CPBL, I'm so excited. Opening day is coming March 13th. I bought my CPBL TV this morning, Woo! and you can do it too with, with help from CPBL Stats. They tell you step-by-step step how to get through the um, the language issue with signing up. It was, it was exciting because things kept popping on the screen in complete Mandarin saying, do you accept? And I was like, sure, why not? Why, yeah, why not? I why not? Yeah. I, I was told I could. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I'm, I'm just trusting that. This sounds like trying to get a set up for a vaccine right now. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I will fly to Taiwan for a vaccine. Yeah. The, the most exciting thing about CPBL right now. Well, we, we, I was talked in the past last week about the new team, the new team on the block, the Weichuan Dragons. They have Junichi Tazawa, who was a key, key player in the 2013 Red Sox champion. He was the setup guy for Uihara in the championship winning World Series winning Red Sox year that year. So I'm excited to see him play for the Dragons. Apparently, he pitched an inning today and he did pretty well. He gave up one hit, no runs. So yay, Tazawa, for all you Red Sox fans out there. Keep an eye on CPBL. And then also, you know, there's familiar faces all over the place. So one of the things everybody today, and I don't want to take away their joy, but everybody's like, baseball's back, baseball's back. I'm like, 
baseball, I mean, MLB is back. Your favorite team is back. Baseball is here. It has been here. It's going to keep it. Just keep looking. KBO, Korean baseball. Shinsu Chu, last seen for the Rangers last year, is now going to be playing for what used to be your pick team, the Wyverns in Korea. But the Wyverns apparently got bought out recently, and so their name's going to be changing, and I'm not quite sure what it is. New new owners yet to be named. But last year, Shinsu Chu was so amazing that he donated $1,000 to every minor leaguer in the Rangers system when he was playing for the Rangers. Well, he's moving over to the KBO. He got a big contract, $2.4 million US, and he's donating about $890,000 worth of that to charity. Oh, my Lord. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. That's amazing. International, wonderful guy. So, wow. Power to him. And, you know, if you look for baseball, it's everywhere. You know, it's spring training in Czechoslovakia. Go follow at Baseball Czech. That's C-Z-E-C-H, like Baseball Czech. And you'll find out about Czechoslovakian players training right now. So That's amazing. That's great. I had no idea. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I'm going to have to work on that pronunciation a lot. For sure. For sure. Hey, I forgot to mention that um, Angel Hernandez, um, during the, the game that we watched, the the Cards Nat spring training game, Angel Hernandez was behind the plate. And oh boy, he got ribbed a lot by the announcers. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. They said he wasn't quite in form yet. Or was he? But Michael, he got hit really hard in the hand with a pitch. And, you know, came back like the next inning with like ice on it and having rep. And I, I really, I'm going to spend this week checking the news to see if he broke his handmate because I want to know what superpowers are for umpires, right? Oh you know what? When players hit, break their handmate, they come back and really, um, yeah, their, their, their average goes by up, their power goes way up with batting. But what happens to a umpire? I'm hoping that his um, strike zone gets a little more uh, accurate. Oh I don't know. Um, in cross training, I may have mentioned before that one of my very favorite books is called Beartown by Frederick Bachman. It's a story about small town hockey, and it's about a lot more than that. It's about community. It's so great. I stumbled on it on HBO. Apparently, there is a series based on this book in the um, in the original Swedish. So it was very hard to power crochet <laughs> wow. while I watched because I had to watch the subtitles. But if you are a fan of small town hockey, if you are a fan of this book, Beartown, if you're not, please read Beartown. Check it out. It's going to uh, new episodes on Monday. So Monday night at nine, don't bother me because I'm going to be watching Beartown. Also, I need to publicly, publicly say that I have a drinking problem. And here's what that problem is. A very good friend of mine delivered beer to me in return for a crocheted Bernie Sanders, which you may or may not know if you follow us on social media, you may have seen a tiny little crocheted Bernie. Anyway, she's not a beer drinker. So she very generously brought me a growler of my favorite beer from a local brewery. And I live alone. And the thing about growlers is they go flat very quickly. So I must say that because of this very generous contribution to my household. I may have to drink a lot of beer over the next couple of days. And I, I'm just doing my part. I'm just announcing it now in case you try to reach me, I don't know, at seven or eight at night and it's not working out very well. I can help. But can you, can you come over <laughs> and do, and, you know, I, and I actually had friends over to a fire yeah. on Friday, but I, the, the, the growler came Saturday night. So it was too late for when I had friends over and now it's raining and cold. 
That's right. I would love for you to help. The weather has to be better. The weather has to be better. But yeah, then I could help. So I'm going to like suck it up. I'm going to like be the underdog like like my boyfriend. I'm going to be the underdog. I'm going to surprise people. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to accomplish my goals. That beer is not going to go flat before I can consume it. Woohoo. Woohoo. So I don't know what your guys are working on this week. Oh, wait, you have you have a happy house member this week. Yeah, I have my kid that we ran up and grabbed and threw in a car and brought back for a few days. It sounds so. like a kidnapping. The way you it was kind it, of a kidnapping. Then. It was a little bit, a little bit of that of that. But we're trying to be safe about it. So, out of the apartment, into the car, drove straight home. We did round trip to New York City in exactly eight hours. That's crazy. Dang, you guys are yeah. amazing. Well, I'm 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 very glad you have the child home because that's a lovely, Ooh. lovely thing. Anything else going on this week for you? <laughs> You know, there's that work stuff. That's pretty much it. That and like, you know, spring training has got me excited. And my new CPBL TV subscription, I'm going to be having baseball on while the other screen. Luckily, I have two laptops. So it's going to be just baseball on one and shit I need to get done on the other. You mean like paying job on the other? Yeah, there's that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. That thing. So you, dear listeners, um, I don't know what you got going on this week. If we can't get you to watch Beartown or read Beartown or um, watch Taiwanese baseball in the morning and um, MLB spring training in the afternoons and evenings, please feel free to check out some back episodes of our show and recommend us to your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. And absolutely find us on social media where you can find tiny crocheted Bernie Sanders dolls. You absolutely can. Check us out on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Until then, please, please wear your masks. Get your vaccinations as soon as you are able. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Fight the man. And until next time, say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. So can can you see my new shirt? Oh my god, I love it. Yes, I love it. I did have coffee this morning, and then I put the shirt on, so I didn't have coffee and the shirt at the same time. No, that's not true. I made <laughs> I made an iced coffee later. So, oh.